Welcome back to Respect the Drive. I'm Ted Word, and today my guest from the Money Shift podcast and YouTube channel is Thanasi Chakiadakis. He has his finger on the pulse of everything new. It's incredible how much he knows about new cars. But before we jump into that, I know it's been a week or two since the podcast has aired. Things have been going well. YouTube is going incredibly well. I, I, as of yesterday, I hit 80,000 subscribers. I mean, you know, when I quit my job earlier this year, I think I was only at maybe 30,000, and things just start starting to take off. Views are more consistent. It's incredible. And I have you to thank for that. So thank you so much for making that possible. It's incredible. But it doesn't mean all my days are great because I go and I get my views and I and I'm and I'm earning some money, which is nice. It's nice to earn a little bit of money, know that you're going to be able to eat that day. No, I still I still go to work every day, right? And if I'm not filming a car or hunting a car or editing a car, I'm doing freelance photography for people to sell their cars and things like that. And you know, with any job and I'll tell you, it's so much better than the corporate life because I think that was just really infuriating for me. But like any job, you're going to have times when things just piss you off. And and that's fun. I won't, I won't go into details about that. But what I will say is the byproduct of getting pissed off at work is being pissed off on their way home. <laughs> and uh, I haven't had road rage in a long time. And I, I still haven't. I'm not going to say I got road rage, but a guy in a box truck threw a fountain soda out the window on 495 on a, on a three-lane highway, just launched it out the window, exploded right in front of my car, and poof, coated the M3 in Sprite. And that pissed me off more than seeing someone flick a cigarette butt out the window. And by the way, I think I think flicking a cigarette butt out the window is like the trashiest thing a human being can do. You're already smoking in your car. Just put it in the ashtray. Like your car already is unsellable because it smells disgusting. And now you're going to throw a lit filter out the window and like hopefully it goes out before it starts a fire or otherwise it's just littering. It's gross. Oh my God. I think I think the penalty for for throwing a cigarette butt out the window should be minimum 10 years, 10 years in a maximum security prison. But is there any karma for those people? I don't know if it happens. I mean, maybe maybe that box truck like exploded in a big fiery wreck shortly after he threw a Sprite on my car. <laughs> but probably not. He's probably just going to go home and, and, and eat ice cream and jerk off and go to bed tonight. And everything's, the, everything's fine. He just, he's just living his life. He's just living his Sprite throwing life. I'm just sick of cleaning up after people. That, that drives me nuts. I know I was at a Chipotle recently with some friends after off-roading, and I just sat in the car. They went in, got their their burritos, and I watched this family of four people, like two parents, two kids. Oh, each of them opened a door, and they just like pushed, pushed like dozens of bags and and cups and and just fast food junk into the parking lot and drove away. And w we watched this. They just drove away like like oh the the people who clean this will come get it and they did the girl from chipotle came out and cleaned it up and she looked pissed but maybe i gotta look at it from the other direction it's not that there's these shitty people who never get theirs it's that it brought some of the good people together you know when when things like that happen 
a few people got together and like cleaned up that junk. They helped that girl and they were like, wow, that was disgusting, wasn't it? And you kind of laugh about it. And you're like, okay, I feel a little better. It's not like everyone just said, yeah, just leave it. Just leave it. But it is important to look on the bright side of things. So when I get frustrated, I think about what what does relax me? One of the things that relaxes me is the fact that my M5 is safe and sound on a battery tender in a secure climate controlled environment at Garage 42 in Woburn, Massachusetts. And if you need to store your car for the winter, for the indefinite future, just you have your your supercar, your baby, you want to keep it nice and safe. That's the place to go. Garage42.com, Woburn, Massachusetts. All right, now that I'm done filling the prison systems with people flicking cigarette butts out their car windows, let's jump into it. Here's Thanasi. How have you been? What's going on with you? Because I, I want, I've wanted to have you on this podcast for a while, not just because we're podcast friends, because you have the money <laughs> shift and it's like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And then you do it and they go, hey, you want to be on my podcast? Yeah, um, yeah. But because uh, unlike you, I almost never know what's going on in the current <laughs> automotive world. Like I, I am still shocked that the V70R was discontinued 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 So like there are times when I, and this is why I think I like Lamborghini because they just let it ride for 30 years. Like the Aventador has been out since I was nine. Like, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> right? you, so right? what you're telling me is the brand that you most align to right now is <laughs> Nissan <laughs> yeah. because because every single one of their products is almost 10 plus years They're old, still... including the car that they released yesterday. Uh, yes. Um, when they released <laughs> the 400, is it? that's what it's called, right? The 400Z? Is that where we're at? The Proto? Well, the, I'm, also that, but then the QX55, did you see this? This is like their coupe SUV based on the QX50 that my, looks exactly like a QX50. My comfort zone is that they're still basically making VQ35s. <laughs> oh, for <laughs> Sure. For, and, I mean, you're not far off. Let's be real. But how? What's your living situation these days? How are you doing in that regard? It's, it's good. I mean, as you know, we recently had a week that was like 50 or 60 degrees, which made, which was exceptional to not only get out and drive, but also get out and walk. And yeah. I think I've explored this last couple days trying to do the same thing, but being met with 30 degrees, which doing that, <laughs> that 20 degree Delta slapped me harder than Mike Tyson in the face. And it's I'm, I'm refusing to accept we're there now. Yeah. People who don't <laughs> live, I mean, you lived in California for a little while, but like people who right. aren't from here, they think like, Oh, I, I, you, you're used to it. No, we're never used to it. We're never, ever, no. ever used to it. And then when you complain about it, they go, well then just move. And it's like, yeah, but you have poisonous animals. Like, I will gladly take <laughs> the freeze, the the beautiful natural selection that happens that just makes sure that, like, I'll never get bit by a deadly snake oh, in the woods. Sure. Yeah. Like, I will scream at the snake for sure, right. but it's right. probably not going to kill me. It, it, it's crazy that there's cons to everywhere, right? It's like, if you want to live in Australia or New Zealand... Every single animal is going to kill you. If you want to live in California, it's animals and earthquakes and fires. If you want to live in Texas, it's other people. If you want to live in Florida, it's humidity. Did you feel? Did you feel so, the earthquake we had like a week ago? 
Yeah, it was. Dude, it was. So, I mean, it was like a four on the Richter. It was scale. a That's legitimate earthquake. This wasn't like the bullshit where the, you say, "Hey, there was an earthquake," and then your California friend immediately goes, "Oh man, you don't even know. <laughs> We're so used to." No, this was like a legitimate earthquake in Massachusetts, sure. and I my my home is like a two story, like you know, uh, nor, like a fairly normal like suburban two story home. Sure. And uh, I, my room, my bedroom is like at the very, on the top floor and it's the highest part of the house because it's the, like we have a, a two car under garage. So it's like where okay. I sleep, if you were to look out the window, it's like a 40 foot drop to the driveway. And, okay, nice. Yeah. And my dad, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great end if I really need to, you know, sure, things, sure, go, sure. things go wrong. You just jump out the window. Um, so yeah. my dad, he, he's been like, re- he's always tinkering. He's always redoing things on the house and he's been redoing the garage to the level that he's replacing like the support beams in the garage. Oh, okay. Okay. So cut to that day. I'm in bed. It's like nine o'clock or whatever it is. I don't know. Cause I sleep in, I don't, I don't get up unless. No, I I also sleep at nine. I do not. Yeah. (laughs) So no judgment here, people. Okay. But anyway, so the house is like shaking like violently. And I'm like watching a thing like my, my shelf. There's like this little wicker shelf because it's my fucking parents' house. So there's wicker. So of course the shelf is like hitting the, the wall. It's like wobbling back and forth. And I'm thinking, oh my God, he really fucked it up this time. He is collapsing <laughs> the house. It's and th- the end. And I got up and I went, oh no. And then it stopped and I went back to bed. <laughs> so, right. So all I'm thinking is, oh my God, he's he, he's really done it this time. And so I go downstairs and then I turn on the news and local news is like earthquake. And I'm like, oh wow, I was so quick to jump to the fact that my father <laughs> was destroying our home that right. earthquake didn't really register in my brain. Yeah, it's great when hearing that it was an earthquake brought a sigh of relief. Oh, I was to like, that situation. The thing was, I'm thinking, <laughs> which I don't think it does for most people. <laughs> no, no. And I was like, he goes, and he, and he, they didn't feel it. Nobody else in the house felt it. I'm like, interesting. I'm like, what is this? Is like, I know you're older. I know, but you, you maybe not don't hear things as well. But like, you didn't feel right. the whole earth move. Right. It just exposed everyone who didn't follow the IKEA instruction of bolting their closets to the wall. <laughs> it's so true. And he and he and then he just walked around like cock of the walk, big source of pride. Like my house did not fall down. And he was very into it. Yeah, he liked that. That's awesome. But otherwise, it's been it's been fine living with my parents, aside from like the occasional conversations that I'll hear while I'm editing. Like I just I set up in my dining room and like that's my little office. Yeah, sure. And like like today my dad was was reheating some soup in the microwave and and as i hear this yeah, yeah as one does and i hear this conversation where my mother you know she's looking at her ipad she casually asks him how long did you put it in for and he goes four minutes and 25 seconds and she goes are you nuts <laughs> as if he just cut the green wire instead of the blue wire on like the time bomb and yeah. and all you hear is the gentle hum of the microwave as it's like yeah. boiling and it <laughs> and and these are the conversations that like sustain me when That's I hear- amazing <laughs> microwave discipline, though, because for me, I don't know about you, but I can't put anything in a microwave longer than one minute. Because if I do, around the 45-second mark, I'm like, nah, it's probably fine. It's and fine. And I just grab it. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought I was just laughing so hard because it was as if he was just like going to like a injure himself and she was very concerned or b blow right. up the house with the soup I don't. <laughs> yeah right exactly oh my god so all right let's talk cars um we recently just rolled out 
our uh, my dad has a '72 Corvette. I think I told yes. you about this before. And we you we mo- we moved it for the first time in, and 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 don't get excited. I mean, we rolled it. Um, okay, out, I was out. gonna say this is years, right? Yeah, it's just because it was in the garage. They're putting up all this new insulation and drywall. Basically, I think I think they're planning on moving me into it because that garage is starting to look really fucking nice. <laughs> and I'm like, is this my new home? That um, sounds fantastic. I don't yeah. know. It very well might be the case. But uh, yes, yeah, so we moved that outside, and it looks like a bizzarini under the cover right now. So I think the neighbors, it's been in that garage for so long, most of the neighbors, like the new neighbors, don't even know the car exists. So they're right, looking right, in our right. driveway. They usually see the weird shit I have, but they have no idea what's under this cover. <laughs> um, which brings me to the idea that uh, car shapes used to be much more distinctive. Mm-hmm. And today or yesterday, I don't know or care, Honda released this new Civic. On Twitch? What? What? I want to hear what you have to say about this first. Yeah, so for me, under the assumption, not assumption, excuse me, this is actual truth, that what we're looking at <laughs> Facts. Is, is the Civic, and I'm talking base Civic, right? We're not looking at an SI, we're not looking at a Type R, we're looking at something that competes with a Jetta, we're looking at something that competes with a Mazda three, a Hyundai Elantra. I think it looks fantastic. You just right? quelled. Um, you just like shut me down before I even opened my mouth. Okay, all right. But uh, but <laughs> uh, but to your point about cars lacking any sort of design elements, this thing does look remarkably similar to a lot of other vehicles in the segment. Right? Like you can't not look at the back of this and see Jetta or Accord or A three. Like it's unreal. And, yeah. Totally, totally. But for something that probably costs like twenty three grand, yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm with you on that. And I think I you know I know for a fact Honda usually does a good job making these cars like handle really well and they're sure. fun to they're playful. They have big competition with the Mazda three because the Mazda three just got more power, didn't it? Didn't they just bring out like some big boy shit? Two point five liter turbo. I think it does zero to sixty in the. Fives for all-wheel drive with an automatic. Do you automatic? know what I would have done to have a car that did zero to sixty in the fives when I was in high school or college? Like I had a Celica GTS from two thousand, so that's that like Yamaha one point oh, eight yeah. liter. Yeah, the VVTLI. Very cool. It was a Lotus engine, the, the lease engine, and uh, it revved to eighty two fifty. I had the first year of it before they realized they probably shouldn't fucking rev that high, so they knocked <laughs> it down. <laughs> they actually that's a great car, very funny. great car. That always made me feel real comfortable when the. 2000 revved like 300 rpm or 200 rpm higher than the the subsequent like three years of production i'm like huh i wonder i wonder if yeah i wonder if they figured something out and i shouldn't be redlining this car Um, right still did didn't matter but uh yeah that was zero to 60 in 6.6 seconds so now you've got like a boat like i'm boring is a mean term because it's not boring but like what what would be the one of the most boring segments in the automotive world now does like five seconds to 60 which is crazy Um, yeah the the fact that you know modern cars like the challenger whatever cat yeah is making one bajillion horsepower we've become desensitized to the fact that a toyota sienna is faster than like a 70s ferrari well that's the thing when we were kids (laughs) used to make fun of like oh it's a camry i'm like dude v6 camry and accord have always been the benchmark for what you're allowed to call quick because if you can't beat a v6 camry you ain't quick right Definitely. And Str- the new ones are quick. That's the that's the <laughs> rule. It's like 300 horsepower. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so the Civic, 
What I liked about the Civic was it never made any sense. If you looked at a Honda lineup, you'd look at the Civic and go, "Who's who fucked who to get that yeah. child? Like, that is but, not, that was adopted. That was out of wedlock. Definitely. Like, something happened. This design is not Honda. But now, suddenly, it's like, yeah, it's definitely an Accord light. It has yeah, that I, vibe. I, it, it very much so fits into the ecosystem of Accord and Insight. It does follow that honda design language it looks infinitely better i think than the existing civic sedan like by a lot is it bad that that's why i like the existing civic sedan because it's ugly like i look at that car and i'm like that is awful people are like the type r that is awful like that's exactly why i'd want it oh i mean yeah former former type r owner here uh i i do agree that the quirkiness of the existing generation civic is great i will say though that the sort of patented images of what the hatchback version of this civic looks like is just as weird so it's it's not it's not like a conventional hatchback like you look at the current civic right now and you you see that sort of body line that the hatchback has it's not a golf it's not a magane or whatever it's just a weird looking thing yeah and and this one is gonna be the same thing with just a kind of prettier rear end okay all right i i'll you know i i'll have more questions as it comes and i always try not to be too critical on things that i haven't seen in person yet because i'm definitely nothing ever makes sense when you see them um and pictures until you see them in person then it then it adds up which brings me to the new brz which i think was today right that was like that was really just came out big shout out to subaru 9 a.m was the release of this car today. Yeah, I love that. They love, missed rolling out of bed. They, I didn't. I, was, I woke up at 9.30, <laughs> man. I woke up and I just looked at my thing. I was like, oh, shit, are these spy photos? Man, they really unleashed everything. This was a big leak. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, this was the actual announcement. <laughs> yeah. Contrary to the Civic reveal, they did it in the morning and it lasted like 35, 40 minutes and they were done. So, so it was great. at a glance, I'm like very excited technically for this car because I, although... You might think, based on the cars that I've driven, I would really have liked the turbo BRZ. I do believe that the BRZ is meant to be like the purest form of economical sports car, which to me is naturally aspirated. So I'm very happy with this new platform and the 7,500 RPM redline and a whole bunch more torque down low. I think the car is going to be just such a treat to drive. Um, Styling-wise, I think it's a kind of a letdown because it looks very bulbousy in the front and rear and the front gives me like panic attacks of like model Y-ness um, <laughs> and Tesla is just the ugliest shit you can imagine in my brain like when I think of like ooh what's bad car design I'm like mm, Tesla uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not shitting on the functionality of Teslas they're fine they're sure fine. sure they're sure great. they're great they're great but like I, I don't look at a Tesla and think wow man I wish I could design a car like that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm definitely all in on the new BRZ. I mean, they gave it more power. It weighs like 15 pounds more oh, yeah. than the outgoing model. They it's a lot more rigid, so the fact that there's small weight difference and it's what I think it's like 50% more rigid somehow has a lower center of gravity. Like, I don't know how I know you we're go lower. This car by a spec sheet, but No, but yeah. how do you go the BRZ, the charm of the BRZ? is that it has an incredibly low center of gravity, which is the reason why it, th- that's why it's a Subaru. It's because it needs right. that flat four that they're that, you know what I mean? Like that boxer engine. Um, and 
it, it, like that's why you can't that's that's one of the reasons they don't go and do turbo systems and stuff because it's it's messing up with the packaging and it's just not really like a cohesive system that that they like and and to be honest every turbo or supercharged brz i've driven aftermarket is not cohesive they all have problems they all overheat they all have packaging sure. issues they all have like oh yeah i had to like notch the frame here to get this <laughs> here and i'm like oh my god like that's not that's not the answer man you know I, it's like i know you want more power but like let's not break things yeah and the only competition here is really the rf miata which is like thirty three thousand dollars so an this is gonna car. be cheaper than that car and you can't compare this this isn't you know a supra competitor or a mustang camaro competitor there's nothing else in this class this car is good if (laughs) if they if they made the like clutch and shifter uh more tactile and more like and less dampened in this Mm -hmm. car then i will literally start praising the gospel of subaru i'm ready i'm ready for that but and, if they didn't, then I'm going to be like, all right, who's in the aftermarket? Who's going to make this car feel like a Porsche? Because it could. De- definitely. Definitely could. Definitely. And they're finally offering it with not Prius tires. I don't know if you saw that. PS4 press photos. S's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that was huge. Michelin is, I, I don't know who their team is, but they have pushed over the last like five to seven years to become the tire brand like they are they, do you, i mean pirelli used to used to brag about oh i've got a set of pirellis now when i see oh, pirellis sure. i like i literally i'm i go oh gross like when i say <laughs> i hate i have never driven a pirelli that could do the things that a, a pilot super sport or you know unless we're talking about like there are compounds that you know that's different but, oh right yeah but totally for, for had, a daily driver or like even a, sometime track machine it's tough to beat their tire or, or they'll be fine down. in the dry like pirelli is definitely like a, 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 a like a bad relationship where it's like things are so good with us except you know then he drinks a little bit and he's really nasty it's like it's like once the pirelli gets wet you're like oh we're fucked curtains curtains man it's a totally different animal whereas like that's what i'm loving about this michelin life lately i'm hoping other brands come along there's brands like Vredestein that are starting to make big splashes in the american market and i've got a set for the winters i'm looking forward i should be getting uh, a set of Vredestein, um whatever their like high performance summer tires because i'm really like i i want other uh, you know i'm always the underdog rooter sure so I oh would, yeah i'm with that I would like to have other options. I don't want to be mm-hmm. stuck. I don't, not to say I'm stuck with a Michelin PS4S, but it's nice to have options and it's nice to be like, good, there's friendly competition. Right. How how were they priced in relation to the Michelins of the world? Like, honestly, I couldn't tell you. I think okay. they're probably lower, um, but I, I'm not positive. Like, I'm pretty sure the Wintrack Pros that I have on my M3, I think they were cheaper than a Blizzak. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think I think it, it is it is interesting to see how the different brands approach pricing, right? Because you have companies like Falcon that are making Advan AO fifty two competitors that are just a touch below but perform almost as well, and that's great. And then you have companies like Nankang that, for whatever reason, make the AR one, and it's unbelievable. They are, I- <laughs> they are so bizarre. They're like they they are like the just the the underdog of our compound tires. Like people people went from like oh I always run an RE seventy one R to like yeah actually I just run Nankangs now, and everyone's like who? yeah who? And the only reason anyone knows who they are is because people have banners like across their cars that oh, say nanka sure. and you're like wait what tire are you running 
And then it's you've crazy got, that the stigma went away so fast with Ning. Instantly, like I, they never got the Ling Long crosswind uh, uh, like bullshit because that's never leaving. Sorry, Ling Long. It's oh, not. no way. Tiger paw <laughs> done for Tiger life. Paw. Done for life, dude. And and then you've got it's weird how tire brands have cachet. Like what? It's man, it makes no fucking sense. It's like. People who don't even know anything about tire technology, like, would look at a tire and go, "Oh, I don't want that." It's like, yeah. it's like, which cigarette are you smoking? It's like, do you even right. know the difference between the taste, or you just like want to be seen with Marlboro Reds? Yeah, right. I mean, the R Triple Eight's the perfect example of that, right? That's that's the streetwear of the tire world. I know. If you have if you have the R Triple Eight, you instantly have clout, regardless of how horrendous they are in any sort of rain or it's how true. loud they are at speeds over thirty miles an hour on the that's highway. Why, <laughs> that's why I run them on my nine eleven because it's the only car it's appropriate in because everything else is louder than those tires, so you never notice yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But if point. you see, if you see like an Avon tire, you're like, oh, ooh, this this belongs on the Aston DB5, you know, like, right, right, <laughs> and, right. And, and yeah, there's just this weird thing where even tread pattern has like appeal on certain cars. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like if you saw like a Michelin PS4S on a vintage Aston Martin or Maserati, it would look weird. You're like, no, I want the waffles that make no sense and definitely don't evacuate any water. Totally. <laughs> I want no, it to it, look the part. God, tires. It's so interesting that uh, that how much has changed with tires and how short of time. Like we like we were just saying, Nankang went from zero to hero. Uh, Michelin is now the god. And Toyo's making more clout than ever before. So. Well, and they were even a fashion statement, too. Because, I mean, here we have, we're talking about tread, where you see like an R888R and everyone can identify it. Or a Nitto yep. ITO1 or an RE71. You're like, oh, yeah, that's an aggressive tire. I know what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, think about our parents' day. They're like, oh, yeah, I got a set of white walls. What? Vogues. Who the fuck cares? What the Yeah, you f- bet. Why? I, I sometimes I really like it's genius marketing. It's yeah. it's like you literally have t- I mean, we we go out and get wheels, right? We're like, "Oh yeah, we got these sick wheels." But like every sure. wheel in the in the 50s and 60s would have been just a a, a chrome hubcap. So right. it's like, well, every wheel is identical. And then you get these white walls, like that's the sex appeal of your car that you're like, oh yeah, keep them super white. <laughs> Wait, so, you, so I'll, I'll never forget this. When I first moved out to Los Angeles, uh, my first week I went to the local mall because I needed to furnish an entire apartment. And the first car that I encountered pulling into the mall parking lot was a white new Jaguar XJ L that had white walls and it was on wire wheels and it was the coolest thing i've ever ever seen and i'm talking about i saw you know the only carbon bodied eb110 ss in the world (laughs) i saw can you imagine lm cars but nope that jaguar xj on white walls i don't know what in the hell was possessing that person but whatever it was it was fantastic and i appreciated every second of it there was a jag (laughs) like a like a like a late 90s or early 2000s jag was it oh my god you know what let's just for the sake of argument What's, what was before the S, the type S or S type? What was before that? There was like a, it was like a le- longer sleeker. It was like an X, XJ or. Yeah. I, yeah. I think they, they called them like the Vandenplot and was like the different models. But right. Because it, it looked kind of like a sedan. Yeah. It was yeah. like a limo-y kind of thing. Very nice and yep, flat, yep. but long. So this guy had, very, you, you reminded me of this completely because it was like a deep purpley maroon color, a little bit of metallic Fantastic. flake. And, and he had a double Jaguar emblem on on the front it was a jaguar fucking a jaguar 
on yeah, oh yeah. on the on the hood and i'm like ever and i walked by the it was like right in front of like the section 8 housing so i just imagine this dude was an actual pimp <laughs> i've never seen him i don't know who he is but no the it's, yeah, only it's person fair. that could have been getting in and out of that car was wearing a coat down to the floor like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I guess my affinity with that vehicle could probably be tied to the fact that when I was 16 and a half, I was an hour away from purchasing a 2004 Jaguar XJR as my first car, which was like oh. the long hood, long trunk, supercharged thing. That's like pretty uh, that badass. My parents were remarkably okay with just because of how big it was. And none of them looked at the stat sheet, even though my father knew what it was. But they're my like, did that's not okay. Understand. They're like, yeah. he'll be fine. The car will definitely die before he has time to get in an accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I've managed to purchase the only car deemed more unreliable than a Jaguar XJR. <laughs> and I'm loving every second of it. <laughs> yeah. So actually, let's talk about that. Because you do have an affinity for these big cars. A lot of people, I think, know locally know you for like, oh, got a civic type r he's got you have the little eg or is it eg hatch what was the EG, was uh, ek yeah i say yeah that's gone too that's yeah, gone it was too. an ek hatch yeah you had the s2000 <laughs> i think the s2000 was what most people in the area knew you for but sure you drove a phaeton yep yep <laughs> 2005 volkswagen phaeton with the 42 v8 because contrary to popular belief i do like my wallet even though i bought that car yeah so you i definitely, didn't get the w12 yeah you definitely chose like the non-enron version of this investment for where... sure <laughs> for sure this was a couple's snowbird car so when they weren't in florida they were driving their phaeton in massachusetts so it was an 05 bought brand new uh, has 80,000 miles. It just got done with a service that was m- almost more expensive. It was a routine service, but it was almost more expensive than what I paid for the car. So they did the timing, they did the water pump, and they did the second battery because this car has two batteries. Shut up. Uh, and the service cost, I think, like $4,500. Did almost. they do this at Volkswagen? I imagine they went to a dealership. Yep, I bought this from their service manager who was like representing them because they were in Florida and just wanted to get rid of the car. That, so I, that, bu- I bought it effectively from the dealer. That car <laughs> probably single-handedly paid for like health insurance for multiple employees for the in- its entire life. <laughs> yeah, and shockingly, so th- this car gets a bad rap, right? If anyone knows the Phaeton, the first thing that comes to mind is, holy cow, this car is immensely expensive to maintain. But what people are kind of forgetting is how much tech is in this car and with cars of that era if you screw up one thing tech wise you're actually screwing up 10 things yes so if you just bring it to someone that knows what the hell they're doing you're largely okay so this car has never had to go through anything that wasn't mandatory and in the manual um, it never had like an airbag break cause they got serviced. It never had any of that stuff. Never has had any really big problems. And surprisingly enough, we have a lot of Phaeton mechanics in the area, Phaeton certified mechanics, people that know that you have to press two buttons to put the car into jack mode before you lift it up. It things what? like that. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that this car, you know, at least lasts me a year. And if not, it was like a $7,000 car that i'm getting to enjoy i love this thing well yeah i mean it makes sense that the car never took off number one first of all and used market i mean god unless you have big money and you know where to get parts like run from the w12 right like that's not oh without a doubt and they're actually going up in price by the way the w12 it's like 20 20 grand for one now i guess they're probably just rare because people are just like yeah crush it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, i can't deal with this anymore no thanks unreal yeah so 
people are people are people are excited about that but you know your car is basically like a nicer a8 but with a volkswagen badge on it yeah it's like a continental flying spur with an a8 engine and a volkswagen badge because it actually has more in common with the bentley than the audi but it has the audi engine that's so nuts so yeah, the car has stupid things like a dehumidifier, so it never fogs any of the windows on the inside. Uh, it has the vents that replicate central air. I mean, everyone's seen the Top Gear video on the car, regardless of their affinity for it. But yeah, I, I, I learn new things every day with this thing, and I love so, it. So Volkswagen was never really able to change their... Der- or, so when they came out to Phaeton, it felt like they were trying to be uh, more premium and show what they could do and do this whole thing. But like reputation and marketing means a lot. I mean, VW is the people's car. And now suddenly you want people to believe you're capable of producing... or You know, you should come buy a $100,000 Volkswagen, right? Or 80 or whatever it costs. For sure. Probably yeah, they not. thought they thought they were above it, right? Yeah, and so I guess my question to you is because you, you usually have like your pulse, your finger on the pulse of the automotive community in these brands. Have you ever seen a brand like radically shift their their audience? And I think the only one I can think of that's kind of doing it, but still like really dragging an anchor is Hyundai with Genesis. Yeah, I was that was probably the example I was thinking of and I would actually use them as a failure but then turn success cuz they tried to do it under the Hyundai moniker offering cars like the Genesis, like the Equus, like the Genesis Coupe, things like that, but they couldn't get people to buy the Equus, so they had to make a standalone brand called Genesis that now actually can sell cars. But I I, I can't think of I mean Kia's tried to do it, still tries to do it with the Stinger and the K900. You have um, maybe Mazda is actually probably the best example of a company that's yeah. gone from zoom, zoom, peppy economical bullshit to uh, now they're considered. I, I, I actually recommend the CX-5 to every person that wants a small SUV. Agreed. Which I- is like my entire friends list on Facebook. So, yeah, it is like they they've come around and I think they're actually starting to convince a lot of people. I mean, because typically the formula is it, you don't try to change a brand. You just create a new brand like you do what Toyota and Lexus did. You do a, right. you know, a Honda Acura, that kind of thing. Well, I guess we don't really want to talk about Acura in that regard anymore. But in, in the day it was sure, sure, sure. <laughs> they were doing a great job. It's very difficult to say like, hey, I'm Volkswagen, remember me, and then be like, here, uh, instead of the $16,000 brand new Jetta, here's an $80,000 luxury car with the same emblem. Right, totally. And and, and what's interesting about the Volkswagen Phaeton specifically is people, people say all the time, well, they had the Bentley and they had the Audi A8, so why did they even make the Phaeton? And the answer was because they thought the A8 was like the driver's car in the segment, so they thought there was room to go for the S-Class with the Phaeton. And I thought that was hilarious, the fact that they thought that the A8 was like a driver's car of the group. And I know the D2 S8 is a fantastic car to drive. Uh, It is really, really fun, the big boat. But the D3 S8 is not like it's not anything crazy. No. So it, that was that was interesting. But I think Mazda did that conversion sort of the best, right? They started with their big SUV. The CX9 was really that first thing to go more premium. And yeah. Then whittled it down to now the Mazda 3 is an A3 competitor. It's not a Civic competitor anymore. No. And sometimes I just wonder, like, what do those meetings look like? And so for the for example. 
it's really easy to look in hindsight at the Phaeton and like the planning behind the marketing strategy and be like, that was was destined to fail. You were never going to make that really sell and work under this brand. Um, But leading up to it, I can imagine like the enthusiasm behind like executives and, and decision makers. But were they just foggy? Were they just having like a moment and where there's just such a hierarchy that nobody below them had the had had the either the authority or the guts to stand up and say like this is a really bad idea yeah and, and it's funny that they missed the mark so much in the u.s but kind of sort of hit it everywhere else because here the car only sold for two years right it was earth three oh four oh five oh six that's it right but everywhere else it lived till 2016 so there there was a small contingent of the world that had massive success in China, but there was a small contingent of the world that did did appreciate it. It's just USA is all about badge. If you don't have it, we're not buying it. And it, and nothing was more clear than this car. Absolutely. Now, it, I remember the I don't want to spend too much time on the Phaeton, but I have to because this is the only <laughs> time I'm ever going to get to talk about a fucking Phaeton. So there was a commercial for the W12 Phaeton. I don't think they specified it, but the, in the commercial it was W12. And it was a guy and his little son in the car and they're driving and his dad says something like, don't touch the button, don't touch the button, don't touch the button. (laughs) And then it's like, it's like, like the hazard lights. And he's like, all right, touch the button. And he like hits the hazard lights and his dad just floors it. And the kid's like, it's a rocket ship, you know? Um, and the whole idea is just that, like, oh, this thing is this thing fucks. Like, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it was totally appealed to me because my nickname from my dad was buttons because if there was a fucking button i was pressing it that's hilarious so he saw that commercial and he's just like oh my god it's you yeah no and and it's funny because even the v8 one does get up and go i mean it weighs 5200 pounds but it's got 350 horsepower it still goes yeah it scoots it is what it is but yeah no so far it hasn't cost me an arm and a leg just some hid bulbs so i'll take it i don't want to blow up your spot but what are you like what else do you look after because whenever you come back with a car i'm usually a little surprised and i go huh i didn't think of that um like what what what's on your mind now like what do you what are you lusting after yeah, so it's interesting because when I was looking at the Phaeton, just to put my sort of like car buying mindset into into words, what I was considering was a Volkswagen Phaeton, a mid 2000s Civic Si, or a 2005 Boxster S. So my mind could not be more <laughs> random if it tried. Effectively, what I was trying to find was a daily driver that would last for at least a year and I didn't have to put any money into, and then I could probably get out of the car for the price that I'm into it, i.e. buying something on the bottom of its depreciation curve. In terms of what I'm lusting after next, I mean, I don't know. I'll be frank. Like this BRZ is really, really nice to me. I really do like this new BRZ. Other cars that randomly speak to me are like the new generation Kia K900, just because like speaking of underdogs, like I, I think it's a killer looking sedan. I agree. It has a really good engine uh, and it's just super underappreciated. Like I feel the Phaeton is. So I'm, I'm a big uh, underdog supporter. So that's why I really like those cars. How do you feel about the new RS6? Hmm. It's crazy that Audi was able to release a car within the Volkswagen Audi group that also has wagons like the Porsche Panamera Sport Turismo and it already be eclipsed by everything that's out 
Usually what happens is you see a new car released and it's the fastest in the segment. It's the most tech laden in the segment. It's the most attractive, but they released the RS six and it was already the slowest. It wasn't even faster than the E 63 S never mind the Porsche that's in the same wheelhouse. So what you're saying so, is Volkswagen group has not evolved their marketing prowess and decision-making skills since the Phaeton. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause there's so much freaking hype in this damn RS six i bet you if you made an rs6 video it would loop to the top of the charts tomorrow well, i'm and not it's not because the car is any good no. and it might be great no it's but their marketing on that car was incredible they made this wicked emotional commercial with like oh, i loved it it's great they hit every mark they're like a biracial couple with this beautiful little kid and they have like this cute dating story and it's just right i mean uh they they literally hit every mark of every, like, they had, like, a cool um, female driver. They had, yep. It had everything. <laughs> it was, like, it was like a Stefan's Club for New York and SNL's Weekend Update. Like, they've got for everything. Sure. Um, for sure. And, and then... And then, like, the car came out, and it was kind of cool. You'd see some of, like, the press launch stuff because they were literally just launching the car and everything. But yep. then I started looking at, like, little, I can't get over these wheels. I absolutely cannot get over the 21-inch OEM wheels that They're are basically, huge. like, required mechanically because otherwise you wouldn't be able to fit those obnoxious brakes, which, again, if you need brakes that big, I feel like you're covering up a bigger problem i.e. weight like why for sure do you need you don't need that those brakes are insane and they look is it cool sure i mean the gt500 has monster brakes too and it's right. fun to look at but like what are you doing man and how are you supposed to be like i mean that is a dunk okay when we were in high school 21s were like you'd be like ghost riding next to them while you did your rap video okay? those are escalade wheels they're for sure ridiculous yeah. I'm, it, I can't accept that. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm with you. And I think it was really funny to see a lot of people try to defend the car. It, it, I was at the LA Auto Show when they unveiled it, and they had it positioned next to an RSQ8. And that car, okay, like I can justify big I wheels. I get it. I can justify big brakes because it's a big SUV trying to do big things. Sure. But the it, it, I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. And I go back to every time whenever people talk about the size of the wheels and brakes to the Bentley Continental GT3R. Do you remember this car? I do. That was a cool it, thing. It, it weighed over 5,000 pounds and its brakes were smaller. And and when it, when it came out, it had the biggest brakes on the market, but it warranted it because it was the GT3 RS right. of the Continental lineup, yes. right? It's like, what the hell is this RS6 doing? No one's taking this thing to the track, so who cares, right? And so just just to just like balance this out because there's a bunch of Audi people who are writing angry emails to me right now and that's yeah, okay. Sure, sure, like sure. please bring them to me and like yes, put sure. me in an RS6 so you can prove me wrong or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I mean Jake Weil of Weil Motorsport, right? He's okay. an incredible driver. He builds these race cars. He does like legit like time trial racing and stuff like he's yep. starting to get into wheel to wheel stuff. But Oh, one, nice. one of the things that he has always done with his M3s, and he's set like incredible lap times on Palmer and all these local tracks, he always uses stock calipers and rotors, and he pad yeah. slams this thing. And I'm That's like, awesome. and if you go to a racetrack paddock and you look around at every other car, they're on like stop techs, they're on these monster brakes, and then you got Jake over here who's beating them all, and he's on these little dinky friggin' things, and it's hilarious. And I'm like. He, you know, he, I know maybe, maybe that's only going to last you so long or whatever, but there's something to be said for the fact that like people think they need these monster brakes. 
They right. do not. They, right. They just don't. Yeah. It's, we're talking 16 and a half inch front brakes. Those are larger than the wheels on my first Volkswagen. <laughs> I had a Golf. And so that you hear that, Audi fanboys? I had a Volkswagen and I loved yeah, it. Yeah. And I think, I think, and if you were to tell me, you know, Thanasi, the RS6 is probably a fantastic daily driver. Sure. And a great runabout. I totally agree. Um, but it's not as good as the Sport Turismo, in my opinion, from Porsche. It's not and as good looking either. Be- yeah, and it lags behind the E-Class, which has been out forever. And, yes, it's older, and it looks the business. I saw an E63 SAMG wagon the other day. Formatic like, Plus. Oh, my CNBC, God. Yeah. The way this thing moved, it wasn't speeding or anything, but it was just coming around a corner, and it was like time stood still. <laughs> yeah, was I, it in that oh. like matte, silvery kind of color? It was so good, and I just, yeah. the way it sat, on its own suspension was just mesmerizing. I, it's like totally. not something I've, it was, it's like there's an episode of Rick and Morty where uh, Rick creates like perfect level. He's like, oh yeah, you think that's level? Try this. And he like, you know, he stands on it and his brain explodes because he's like, I can't believe I'm experiencing perfect level. You know, it, it was like that. It was like, I've never really paid attention. I've never like felt this feeling looking at just a car driving. <laughs> Right, it looked incredible. Like Mercedes, AMG is so cool now. I mean, they've always been cool, but I've always been more of an M person. That has shifted. Yeah, that has shifted a oh, lot. I because I think everything that you loved about M is what AMG is doing now. Absolutely. Right back when I mean your E ninety two. Mercedes was just making burnout machines. Oh, for sure. They were they were just Hellcats. <laughs> they were making C-class Hellcats. End of list. Yeah. And like, was it cool? Absolutely. But like, oh, for sure. I mean, I've chucked a few C63s into some corners and it's like, oh, we're kind of big. Uh, and also we're on 255s. Um, right. And we have way too much torque for this. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and I'll just quickly add about the Audi RS6 while I'm airing all my grievances. Yeah, this on is a car what the, I've this never is a, driven. This is a venting show. We're today oh. you're here, we're here. I literally said, "Can you come on so we can just talk shit a bunch of <laughs> about things that we're angry about?" Is there anything that outdates faster than a car interior that is exclusively monitors? So bad. I right? am, like we, I, we were I, talking about Infinity at the beginning of this show and they have that ugly two monitor system that they're still releasing to this day and it just outdates the car right off the lot nothing is going to look worse in five or ten years than this audi rs6 double monitor setup which is going to be eclipsed by some bullshit for 10k whatever the hell we're going to call it k monitor or the yeah or it's just going to fizzle and die right bring back buttons i believe the only car that can truly get away with really modern obviously going to be obsolete interiors is the S-Class because you buy an S-Class knowing you're about to lose $100,000 in 24 months. And you don't care. Yeah. You don't care. Right. And like, that's the thing. You, if I bought, you can go find S-Classes for like $3,000 right now. Like there's oh, do- sure. dozens of them. And yes, they're yeah. outdated inside, all this crap, but that's like the charm of it. Whereas like when right. you have like a, a the, the RS6, although yes, a very expensive car and, 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 but it's not the range topper. It's not an A8L. It's not an S8. I mean, it's still, a six right it's still that right. like that that full size thing uh it's just not appropriate to have something that outrageous in a car like that it's not going to yeah, age well t- i mean t- 
to your point about the S-Class, you're totally right, right? You buy that car understanding that what Mercedes is doing is utilizing it as a test bed for new technology. You are right? heated armrests, yes, heated door cards, crazy monitors, all the fragrances. You know, you're buying into that uh, perceived obsolescence in five years. One hundred percent, because like the only reason you buy like new S classes or new you know Maybach S five fifties or whatever they're called now is because you need everyone on the Upper East Side to know that you can have one. And then sure. the second it's a year and a half old and there's a refresh or something, you better go get it because you don't want to have the old thing because now the guy next door is getting picked up in his new one. Right. And that's, and they look old, it's by the crazy. way. Like the moment a new S-Class comes out, the old one looks yes. the part. I mean, it still looks great. I'll, I'll buy a 2003 S55 AMG oh, all sure. day long. But you but are the – it's, it's, it's old day. news. It's old news. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to talk about something else too, which I, I don't get into Nürburgring stuff too much because it doesn't matter to me. But number one, sure. we've got the uh, Mercedes AMG GT Black Series that's just taken the record away from – the Aventador SVJ, however, to me, the story isn't AMG's success. It's how on earth is the record belonging to Avent- an Aventador? How is an Aventador a performance car in any shape or form? Like, does that not blow your mind? Isn't it awesome that I think two or three of the top five times that the Nürburgring are Lamborghinis? How? And if, if I was to ask you, you know, what's one brand that makes a really good track machine? Lambo probably wouldn't be in your... Yeah, I bet you you'd list Ferrari before Lambo, and you'd be wrong. Quark, because the say, Aventador SVJ, the Huracan Performante, like, they screw. They are so fast. I don't get it. I would <laughs> yeah, never, yeah. I would 100, if you said like, all right, pick like, pick, if you said pick 10 cars, you give me 10, say 10 yeah. cars that are going to be like the record holders at the Nürburgring in the modern day. It would be like a bunch of Ferraris, you know, Pistas, the, you know, for sure. I, I mean, we are talking about like, you know, um, production cars. So we're not getting right, into like right. FXK or FXX or all this yeah, other yeah, crap. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I just, I would, ne- it would take me a long time. It'd be near the end of that list where I'd start embarking on the uh, Lamborghini journey, which is like, how on earth is an Aventador, which has been around for millennia. How yep. on earth has this car <laughs> become what it is? It makes no sense to me. Makes and, no and sense. And the evolution of the Aventador is supposedly again. This is a car that I have not had the luxury of driving, but I'm merely commenting based on things that I've read or talked to. Um, but a first year Aventador compared to a current year Aventador S is like literally night and day. Uh, the, the new Aventador is actually a pleasant experience to drive, <laughs> apparently, uh, in comparison to what I'll just refer to as the ultimate valet machine, which is yeah. the first year Aventador. And so. I'm not sure. Sh- like the so that's the thing i actually do have a lot of i have a lot of love for the aventador because i think i mean i have a lot of love for a v12 i have a lot of love oh, for the design i mean mm-hmm. i mean it is the pinnacle of supercarness but the pinnacle of supercarness does not make for a race car right and the and that's what makes the svj so funny it, is it's so damn fast it makes no <laughs> sense it like to me an svj holding that record for as long as it did is like me coming to the track with a 1992 volkswagen gti and like smoking gt3 rs's right like they're like it, what did you do to that thing and it's just like from the ground up completely different underneath and it still looks like a 1992 gti and you're like how is this happening 
And I don't have the number in front of me, but I think the Mercedes only beat it by like a second. Let me check. Right? Uh, it, wa- it wasn't like night. It's not like the, the Lambo set a time of, for example, seven minutes and Mercedes came out, you know, a couple of years later and set one of 640, right? I think one, it beat it by like two. 1.35 seconds. How? Yeah, which at Nurburgring is like botching one corner, right? Because you just you lose all momentum. And when Porsche <laughs> and when Porsche tried to take it away from them, they couldn't do it with the RS. They had to go and do the Manti Racing one. Yeah, which was total bullshit. Which is yeah. total bullshit. <laughs> so I, I think the real like the winner in this one hundred percent is is Lamborghini for somehow making an Aventador an actual like race car. <laughs> totally. And and the best part about this whole Nürburgring saga is that today Lamborghini just dropped the Huracan STO, which is like their ultimate evolution of the Huracan Evo. I think it weighs like 2,900 pounds. Yeah. It has magnesium wheels and like all this crazy GT3 looking arrow. And they're probably going to take the record back, which means the like Mercedes held the record for one week. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It's just, <laughs> I, so Lamborghini is just this total enigma to me because I, I love the brand for the style. I hate the brand for some of like, it's weird. I love and hate it for the same reason. I love it for style. I hate it for style. Like I get in an yeah. I get in a um a Huracan and and all the buttons and switches, like everything makes me want to just claw my eyes out, which is why yep. I prefer the R8 because I get in an mm. R8 and maybe I'm just a really boring businessman who wants a black suit and a black tie, but like you get in an R8 and you're like that's a cabin. This makes sense. Yeah. You get in a Huracan and I'm like everything's plastic. Why is this pl- yeah. How is this a $300,000 car and this toggle totally. switch is not knurled aluminum? What is going on? Why? It doesn't you make asked it... me about cars I lusted over or was thinking about. And at the beginning of the show, I, I always have brackets where, you know, if I'm doing really well in life, that's the car I'm going to get. Where if I'm just doing what I'm doing now, this is the car I'm going to get. If I'm doing well, the next car for me is a, is a gated 4.2 R8. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. That thing is at the bottom of its depreciation curve at around like 55, 60 grand. It's mid-engine. It's naturally aspirated. Sure, it's not the fastest thing, but no, who cares, it's man? Fun. They're awesome. I drove, so I drove, uh, our friend Bolin had a, a gated V10 R8, Ooh. and it, it was rear-wheel drive converted. And I, I did a video of that one in the tunnels, and that was a definitely I had to blur the speeds. And maybe, maybe sure, like sure, a year, sure. that's one where like a year after, maybe I'll like release the actual speeds because like it was just not okay. Um, <laughs> but it was like, how could I not? Like, I'm gonna top it out in third and I'm gonna hit fourth. Like, this is just what's going on. Um, right, that right. was maybe the softest clutch I've ever felt. And, huh. and it was possibly, it was definitely slipping just a little bit. Like it never hit okay. the next gear hard. And so my guess is it was probably on its way out. But I just remember that car being so like gentle, I think is the word. Like yeah. it wasn't aggressive at all. You get in, like a GT3 and you know, you start like coming off the clutch and like things happen. Things are happening. Right, right, right. right. No, we're doing it now. And it's like, unless you're specifically cautious and gentle with it, it's going to bite you and make you look like an idiot. For this sure. car, I'm like, I couldn't abuse it enough to make it twitch. <laughs> I'm like, why are you so soft? Everything felt damped and weird. And I, like, again, I don't know if it was that car. 
because sure. again, we've removed a lot of weight from the front end. The steering got very light. So I had my, mm-hmm. qual- I had a little bit of concerns about like the rear wheel drive conversion on these cars. I'm like, this wasn't meant to have this weight distribution. <laughs> it doesn't, right. it felt like a little sketchy, like almost more than like Porsche sketchy on the wheel. I was like, yeah, this is getting a little light for me. Um, yeah. So there's some weird things going on with that car, but I would like to drive, you know, I, I don't want to discount the, the gated R8 just based on that, because I do think I was just driving like an almost expired clutch and yep. it was a, a, a we, it was a weird spec of that vehicle. But. Sure. It, it just seems like one of the most approachable, approachable, I just yeah, yeah. the P there, That's vehicles okay. in this segment. Uh, oh, for sure. It, it, it just, that I would be able to daily drive, that I could confidently drive in any weather um, that would be relatively okay to maintain because it's nothing crazy that V8's been out for a century. Yes. Uh, I, it just seems really awesome. I, I, I feel like by the time I'll be able to afford it, it'll be like what happened with the NSX where when it was 25 grand. I was like, that's the car I'm going to buy. And then when, when I could afford it, it was 40 grand. And when I could afford the 40, <laughs> now it's 60. And yeah. when I can afford the 60, it's 100. And I feel like the R8 is going to elude me in the same way. But I'm going to, God, I'm going to go for it as I'd best I I'd say go can. for it. It's a cool car. And, you know, it's funny. I when I, when I first drove an R8, I remember thinking like, wow, this is a business suit. This is very approachable and usable. I'm I, I'm forgetting what I'm driving. The first R8 right. I drove was like the... It was like the current generation or, you know, like the new, it was the Gen 2, right? Right when that came out. And it was a base R8. It wasn't the plus. But I remember driving it and and it had the paddles and all. I mean, they all do now. But um, I remember thinking, like, I I did my video and I was driving it home and I was just like back on Route 9 or something. And I remember just being bored. And I was like, how Mm. cool is it that I'm bored in this car? This is, yeah, I was like, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm driving an A4 with a V10 right now. This is nuts. Like that, yeah. I, that I am like in traffic and I only remembered what I'm driving because I went by a glass building and looked at it. It was that's, nuts. Yeah, and, it, and it's crazy that that's an amazing quality in a car like that, that yeah. it's kind of, it can be forgettable at times. Which is, <laughs> which, and I know this is a hot take a little bit, but the on, the only car that's ever made me feel that way was other than that, and not, I wasn't bored, but I got the vibe. Was the BMW M1? Hmm. It is the everyone thinks, oh my god, it's like a hardcore race car thing, and like, yeah, it can do that. But if you drive an an original M1, it is like so docile. It has ground clearance. It it can it can take a bump, and you're like, why? Like, why can this do that? Yeah. And it is the R8 of the early '80s. It is incredible. That's incredible incredible that's, that's that yeah that is really cool to to know that a car that if you just drove it normally is normal you could even though it's something that's you know perceived to be just so like you said hardcore absolutely yeah it's it is weird when you meet some of the hero cars and you're like oh that's not what i thought you'd be like i thought you'd be terrifying when you drive an m1 you're like this is normal yeah, like and, and especially in that era where there's so many sort of like homologated special cars that were just absolute bastards to drive on the street, you know, that weren't suited for it at all. Uh, I so think that's to learn te- that there is one that is. Yeah, is, I think it's a testament. I think that's a testament to BMW actually making a car for the people they want. They were selling it to. Whereas, like, because at the time, what were they? What were they been selling? Like 3.0 CSIs, or was it too late? That was the early. That was like mid 70s. But still, like. They were still making that car for people to drive, which is 
bonkers. They didn't have to. That could have been the most right. miserable thing ever. Which is, I guess, Porsche did the same thing with the 959. Everyone who's everyone who's ever driven a 959 Comfort has basically come back and been like, "Yeah, don't waste your time hunting this one down. If it comes along, drive it. But if you don't, 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 don't worry yourself." <laughs> yeah, and uh, oh man, that. I mean, this is a story for another day. No, like there's the no M1, other days. This is great. The <laughs> M1 connection with Lamborghini and oh. how BMW, uh, you know, built it is just like, it leads me to, I love the what could have been stories Absolutely. in the automotive world. And how I'm so curious as to how much the car would have differed if Lamborghini wasn't in a bad financial position and they couldn't produce the car like what if they did it how different would it have been than the product bmw did is this like a braun gp formula one deal where it was pretty much a honda with a mercedes engine or is this a completely different machine i know? wonder if my I, I i don't know enough history about that engine but that engine is essentially what ended up in the 1988 m5 and that that straight six and i wonder if had Lamborghini kept the car or whatever and did their thing and built, you know, put a V12 in it or whatever they were going to do, had BMW not really had that piece in it, would um, w- would the M5 have ever gotten that engine? Yeah, totally, right? Which is like 90% of the reason why the E28 M5 is as cool as it is, is yeah. because it has that engine. You know? So like if, B- yeah, exactly. Like if BMW had just like gotten what they paid Lamborghini to do, would we have ever gotten a 1988 E28 M5 with that ridiculous straight six? Which are those still good buys or are they now priced to infinity? Because I, I had the they're... chance to get one for 25 grand when I bought the C4S instead. Ooh. And I feel like I I don't know if I made the right call because I feel like that's the car where I look back and be like, oh, when I was 27, I had the chance to get one for 25 grand, you know, and it's like a million dollar car in two if it, years. If it was a matching numbers car and you weren't afraid to put a little money into an, a suspension refresh, I think it would have, you probably could have gotten 40 for that car. Got it. Okay. That's I mean, good to know. but yeah, I don't know. Like that, they're up there and that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's assuming it had 150,000 miles, right? Like, yeah, like, totally, totally. Right. I mean, if that was like a 30,000 mile car, like that's a, that's an EAS uh, call for price car. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. Yeah. But it, there's so many rabbit holes. Like what if McLaren went through with Honda for the engine of the F1 instead of BMW? What would that have looked like? Uh, there's yeah. Uh, what if Porsche actually made the 919 Street from their like Porsche oh. Unseen series last week, which was cooler than cool, by the way. The 904 that came out of that was the coolest thing ever. So uh, did you? All right. So the tell me which 904 are you talking about right now? Okay. So. Porsche last week did, which by the oh, way was amazing oh, oh, that they oh, did that this. new render of the new 904. I've seen that. Yeah, so they, they made it. They made it. It, it's based on the same carbon monocoque of the Volkswagen XL1. Do that's you remember that right. thing? The thing I that do. looked like a freaking stormtrooper. Yes. All right. Now it's and coming it back used, to me. It used the same engine out of the XL Sport, which was the Ducati 1199 V2. So it's it, it, they put in an, a 1200 V2 engine into a car that weighed under 2,000 pounds, and they were like, this is the new 904. And it makes perfect sense based on what the old 904 was. And looking at it, you're like, fuck, why didn't they make this thing? It'd be so awesome. (laughs) You know the coolest? So did you notice that uh, if memory serves, I remember looking at the picture of it, and the only thing that stood out more than the car was the wheels because they were just 997 turbo wheels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, wait yes. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You hyper-designed this car. And then you were like, yeah, what are we going to put on this? What are we going to put on this? And you're like, yeah, just throw those bad boys on there. I mean, they're great wheels. I just thought it was very bizarre. For sure, yeah. Of all the choices to use. All the choices. I mean, yeah, they do. they're nice wheels, but yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That's so funny. So there was... Um, a 904 delivered to a guy in California recently. Um, and it, it turns out that's the 904 I was in. I rode passenger in this 904 a few months ago. Uh, and because we were kind of like getting it ready for sale. And then it eventually ended up where it ended up. But I got to spend a day with a 904. And that's, that's it, killer. It was nuts. Like I'm literally, and I never, I didn't drive it. Um, but I got to be like passenger in this thing, just like ripping around in this, you know, the four cam, four cylinder. Like, what on earth am I in? This is nuts. It really, it really, that car was like legitimately incredible. And man, I like Porsche. I'm glad they do stuff like this because Porsche is getting like, you know. Even even all the PTS stuff, and I'm not like shitting on it, but it's like kind of like okay, everybody has it now. Like everything is so yeah. Um, PTS uh, isn't special anymore. It's very, car, it's almost like buying a non AMG G wagon. Yeah, it's more special. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's almost like whoa, you got like you got like a base black Carrera. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, totally, totally. Like I didn't even know you could get this without a sunroof. Like that's you right. know what I mean. Like that's what I'm talking about now. When it's like oh, this is rare because it's so bizarre. Why would anybody do this? Um, I, and it is cool to see Porsche start to expand a little bit and get like creative and make some crazy shit. I mean, yeah, they did the 935 thing, um, and Zwart has that, and they're doing the Pike Speak thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely like. I, I always get excited for the special projects at Porsche because we really haven't seen anything. Like, have we seen anything that exciting since the 918 Spider? Nothing of that caliber. Not on that level, uh, right? For sure. They, which was what made that sort of Porsche Unseen series last week really cool. There was there was a couple duds. Like they showed a Macan Vision Safari, which was just like a wide body looking Macan. But other than that, everything else that was shown off was really really cool. And to me, the two best things were the 904 Living Legend that we talked about, and then the 919 Street that was effectively the Le Mans car, but just in street car kit which just floods my mind with the memories of like the mclaren f1s and clk gtrs and like all those cars that are roaming the street i'm like that's cool man (laughs) to see that they made even if it was a one-to-one scale model uh it's it's really really cool (laughs) i also saw there were some spy shots of a 992 that looked like it was a safari car it was like a little bit jacked up it had some big flares and stuff so i'm like oh all right maybe we're gonna go in a new direction with the 911 like maybe we're gonna get some new variants of a 911 that just have not existed ever to would that piss you off if they came out with like a 992 911 we'll call it ov for overland would that frustrate you no, okay. I would be thrilled because I would be I would I think that the idea that you can do anything with a 911 is the most important thing about the 911. And, sure. You know, I I, I I know that I am a my car is a garage queen, but it's certainly not built to handle a winter. But it's like when I see people with like a new 911 turbo and then they're like, oh, yeah, it's winter. I better put it away. It's like, no, dude, like turbos are literally meant to be your everyday driver. Without and you're supposed to put some snow tires on it and you're supposed to send it. And like yeah. people like Lee Keen with their safari cars are proving that like you can take these old cars, you can do what you need to do to them, you jack them up and they will rip through yeah. like lakes 
through like overlanding stuff. They'll jump. They'll do anything. And I I would love nothing more than to see Porsche. Uh, what's the word? Um, Come out with like an all road 911. Yeah. To kind of just like <laughs> just to say like, yeah, we're listening. Like because that's the thing. The market is there that, that exists. I mean, people like for sure. Lee Keen can't buy, build enough cars. He literally can't build enough cars. And that's great. Mm-hmm. He's he's got work for the rest of his life. And definitely that's incredible. And and it means that the market wants it. The same way mm-hmm. that like the market wants like a, a, a hot rod air cooler. That's why Singer exists. That's why mm-hmm. uh what's Peter Nam's brand? Um uh oh god, he does the nine nine threes. Gunther? Gunther works, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of these cars that, you know, those are all based off of like the market wanting a thing. So somebody filled the void. Whereas like Porsche, I mean, yeah, Porsche can't go back in time and make air-cooled cars. They're not going to do that. But what they can do is they can take their new cars and, and make them function the way the market wants to use them. And it would just be so nuts to be able to, even if it's of a short run to get like, you know, the Baja 911 or something like that. Yeah, and it's not like they don't have the history for it. I mean, they ran the, the things at freaking Dakar. You exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it's supposed to do. So I, I, I don't know, man. I think the future of cars is not as bleak as everyone likes to make it out to be. I mean, I know we're sure. seeing that the internal combustion engine's getting banned in 15 years pretty much everywhere in the world. Uh, I don't necessarily have such a like worried approach to that because i think that the automotive industry is always going to cater to the market and there's still a a very large market of people who want weird shit fast shit and and interesting stuff yeah and just to back that up even more it's not like we're not getting good things anymore i mean the the gr yaris just came out and people are putting that in like their top 10 of cars ever reviewed and then you have companies like porsche that we've talked about that are investing you know, millions of dollars in synthetic fuels to sort of keep that like ICE engine thing going, even in a post, you know, petrol fuel banned world. So there's definitely going to be a market for it for sure. Yeah, man. What do you think is going to happen with the current classics? Like, like, all right, so let's just take, like, a Malibu cars and coffee thing, right? Like, let's mm-hmm. look at, like, here you got Jay Leno coming in in, like, a Duesenberg. You've got Bruce Meyer rolling in in a Le Mans 250 short wheelbase yeah. Ferrari. Like, <laughs> fucking cra- like, crazy stuff. Like, I think that people see the date and they go, oh, by 2030 or 2035, you know, no internal combustion. It doesn't mean those cars come off the road. Right, right. There's, there's not a a big fire where everyone has to drop their cars into a burner and boom goes history. This isn't Fahrenheit 911 right. with uh, old classic cars. So. Like, what do we do about that? Like, what do we, what do we, how, how do we reconcile this? Because I, I, I don't hate the earth more than I love cars. Is that, did I say that the right direction? Don't hate the earth more. Yeah, I think that. Right. Okay. Because that checks out. That I'm checks okay out. Yeah. with a shift in technology for air quality. Cause guess what? I breathe air every day, every day you know, I breathe air. Yep. I really need it. And I have <laughs> asthma. So like the fact that like someone's trying to improve air quality, like I'm not actually complaining about that. Um, yeah. But I mean, does that mean that I think like everyone should not drive these? No, I think that normal commuters, people that most people do not care about cars. I feel so bad for most people who have to buy a car because they don't even like cars. 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to buy a piano. But imagine if I had to buy a piano just to get where I need, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's so stupid. Yeah. I, I'm definitely not on the, uh, the, the quote for just, you know, being vulgar. I'm not on the fuck electric cars train. Not at all. Uh, but the good news is, is that every day automakers are getting progressively better and better. I mean, look at the RAV4. I think this is probably going to be the first and last time the RAV4 is talked about on this podcast. <laughs> but that's an SUV that averages 40 fucking miles to the gallon Insanity. today. Which is wild, right? So as, as you know we're contemplating phasing out internal combustion cars they're they're constantly getting better you know so people want to drive these suvs if they have to maintain to a certain epa standard we're gonna increase the efficiency of these suvs and we'll get cars like the rav4 prime that get you know i think it's like 60 miles on just electric before they swap to a crazy hybrid or something like that so i'm okay with it because it just challenges these companies to do what they're doing today better um and i like electric cars electric cars are great the Taycan's cool the model s is fine the model 3 performance is a really cool car the rivian all the rivians i don't know if you saw the rivian has a freaking kitchen dude it's uh, incredible where you can pull out a kitchen that has an induction stovetop on it like that's the legends like yeah we're talking (laughs) everyone wants to go camping with their cars now and it's like okay well there you go there's your there's the thing i see maybe i'm naive and maybe i'm not thinking it through enough but when i think of oh everyone's going to be driving electric cars i'm like well that's just going to prolong the amount of time i get to drive my gas cars because it's like the, the the internal combustion car will live on in its purest form which is basically the legacy of all the cool shit that we've got and like the small coach builders like Glickenhaus and, and and I don't know, they're not coach builder, but you know what I'm saying? Like these smaller companies, like maybe, I mean, granted that's not like a people's car, but I think what you would see is smaller boutique companies coming up and building interesting things. Like maybe, maybe like everything goes electric and suddenly like Honda, Volvo, Toyota, BMW, everyone's electric, except now you comes along this small company in Detroit that's going to build like, you know, the next S2000 and it's going to have a really advanced internal combustion engine. And because they're produced in such small numbers, they get away with certain emission things and they get away with certain safety things. That to me, I think like could potentially extend the life of enthusiast driven cars because to be honest 90 percent of what's on the market today has does not interest me in the least bit right and and that's the other thing too Uh, there's only a a bunch of really 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 good cars (laughs) i know when you (laughs) think about it if if we lost it what i I mean again i don't want to lose i'm not saying i want to lose internal combustion cars that's way too strong of a statement but if we lost them today what are we missing really aside from like amazing 911s really cool mclarens uh and, and i don't know I, I maybe that's too strong of a statement to make cuz i really like internal combustion engine cars but it's not like you know this is the late 90s where it's just nothing but hits are coming out every day out of no, everyone and i'm not know? saying we've hit like peak internal combustion engine it can always go crazier i mean look at koenigsegg with the free valves and all this co- nutty For things sure. right but like at the end of the day if you said, Tom, you can have one car, you're going to have to deal with this car and daily drive it and also enjoy your life with it as an auto enthusiast, um, and and you just have to choose wisely. Guess what? I'm, I'm getting a nine, nine, uh, 991.2 GT3 Touring, and I'm going to live mm. the rest of my life at 9,000 RPM with uh, relatively limited uh, space for groceries and people, and that's fine. 
um, I don't need more. I don't. I would never drive that car and twenty years later be like, man, this really sucks. I wish they continued making better. <laughs> like, fuck that. It's fine. So yeah, I guess totally. what I'm saying is like, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a curmudgeon and maybe I'm a little too optimistic in certain regards. But like, I'm kind of okay with what exists today. And if I had to carry it on through the rest of my life, I don't think I'd be that disappointed because I like older shit anyway. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And I also don't think it's going away. Like, no. I think there is going to be some sort of synthetic fuel solution that Porsche is investing in or whatever that keeps this going. Because the fact of the matter is, internal combustion engines are still improving. Mazda's Skyactiv-X thing, where they get a bajillion MPG out of their cars, or even the Volkswagen XL1 that got like 100 MPG off gas. Like, there, there is the potential to do really, really well with internal combustion, you know? So and for, and I for understand every- maybe banning it in cities like New York or whatever. Sure. But uh, where they don't, where they shouldn't have them, quite frankly. No. Everyone should be driving electric smarts in London. No, and, like, that's what I can't understand <laughs> about, like, the fuck electric people, because... I'm like, go stand next to an idling diesel truck for like 10 minutes and just breathe deep and then really tell me that's the way you want to live. Right. Like it's not, it's not good. It really isn't. And then the other side of it is if you put people in a Tesla or a Taycan or, you know, any electric car today and say like, go commute in this for a week and come back and report on what mm-hmm. what you think. They would literally be like different people. They 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 would they would enter that car at the beginning of the week, grumpy and miserable and hating traffic and fuck work. I hate commuting, blah blah. And they would come back and be like this is relaxing. I feel better having driven this car because you, what we don't this the reason I love internal combustion engines is because the engine is an extension of my energy and my 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 mood. And like, if I'm in a grumpy or aggressive mood, I'm going to rev the engine out a little more. I'm Mm going to be a little more abusive to it. Whereas like when you drive an electric car, there's nothing that matches your mood. So if you're pissed off and angry and you like launch out of a, a, a green light, like quickly, you, you never, you never get the satisfaction of like the echo chamber of your engine. So it's like you don't have anyone egging you on trying to amplify your already pissed off mood. Whereas you drive these cars and it's just relaxing and it's like, hey, hey, calm down. It's going to be OK. Like it, there's something so incredible about that. Like I did a drive in a Model S to and from New York a couple times and it just I've never ca- I didn't even care about the traffic. The traffic was like enjoyable. It was like, oh, we can look at we can look at things. Isn't this nice? <laughs> Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny because in my random ass car ownership, one car that slotted in there was the Chevy Volt. I bought a 2014 in 2017 brand new off the lot Chevrolet Volt. And your 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 comments right there are spot on. Like I could get in that car and floor it pissed at the world or whatever and it would just you know lightly chirp the tires and just go and I would hear nothing and I would just be cool calm collected and 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 honestly just relaxed regardless of situation and I got better parking than handicapped at most (laughs) locations especially because that was a proper EV it was actually only it only ever drove the wheels based on electricity right yeah exactly so it, it, it was it was great it is truly it is one of the best 
daily driving experiences out there as an electric car. And for those that don't like it, I definitely urge them to at least give it a shot. Like it's worth turrowing. Everyone has a Model 3 or Model S on Turo these days for relatively cheap. Get out there. get Or even do an overnight drive. A lot of the Tesla dealerships, if you sweet talk them enough, will give you a whatever Tesla for the night. I'm with Uh, you. (laughs) I'm with you. Well, I think we've we've determined that Porsche is still fantastic. Uh, electric cars are okay okay (laughs) and that lamborghini still makes no fucking sense in the best way in the best way why (laughs) don't understand them it's like man i i don't even have analogies for lamborghini i don't understand it but hey yeah they're they are definitely an enigma for sure they just keep on trucking good for them Thank you so much for coming on. I I needed this. I it's been a little while since I've done a podcast. I I took like a two or three week hiatus, mostly because YouTube has been going bananas, and I uh, it makes more money than this because this doesn't make money. So I was like, I think I need to focus my energy <laughs> on that so I can. Yep, I'd sure. like to, I'd like to eat. That's always good. Um, Food is fine. But yeah, go check out uh, your podcast, The Money Shift, your YouTube channel, The Money Shift. And uh, my goodness, thank you for coming on. And anytime you need to vent about things that piss you off in the car world, you know how to reach me. I'm, I'm willing yeah. to have a conversation. I am more than willing to be the voodoo doll. So thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. See ya. Isn't he great? What do you think, man? I, I love talking with him. His podcast is fantastic. I like, he's the guy who... If you see him at a car show, you're like, I'm going to go walk around the car show with him because he's entertaining. You can always play off of each other. He's ready for a joke. He's ready to return the joke. Yeah, not everybody's like that. I appreciate that. But thank you so much for listening. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Don't forget to respect the drive. And I'll see you in the next one.